You're listening to Bizarre Buffet, a podcast of all-you-can-eat weird. I'm your host, Mark Toriello. I'm Jen Wilson. And I'm Mark Bluestein. There'll be food and drink and ghosts, and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. When we first went in, one of the people said, who are you? And Tex said, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. All right, so we're on episode eight. Oh my god, eight. Episode eight of Bizarre ASMR. The Bizarre Buffet ASMR Hour. We're glad that you joined us. Hello. <laughs> and, a, <laughs> and a happy early birthday to our very own Mark Toriello. Oh, it's me. I know. I know. You know Your birthday's tomorrow. We're recording the night before. Yes. That's right. And due to quarantine, we were unable to get the bodies we would use to sacrifice in honor of him. But it's, it's okay. okay. It's okay. It's all right. I'm turning 33. 33 years old. Wow. I just, I don't know if that's a good number or not. I like the odd numbers. Yeah. I'm more of an Why even not? person. I just... Even Steven. Yeah, I'm an even Steven. That's okay. It's all right. You know, yeah. You know, I, nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Nothing well, how wrong funny, with that. How funny that my birthday falls on the 4th of July and I'm the least patriotic person that I know. Yeah, it's true. It is very true. Really? You I really was just... expecting to see you on Instagram in your. <clears throat> your American, my red, white, and blue your American, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Now the closest he gets is a Lana Del Rey music video. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) But Jennifer Wilson, can you tell us what we're talking about today? Yeah, what's today's topic? So we're talking about paranormal activity. Yes. Thank you. I was was waiting for an ooh. Thank you. Thank you. Activity. So I'm just curious. Um, have either of you ever had a paranormal experience? I know we've all believed oh. in spirits and ghosts. Have you had any firsthand experience? I've been haunted since a childbirth, but um, no, I mean, I've never had two, uh, uh, nothing that is classic. Um, we have had some odd encounters in our apartment that we're not sure if it is um, just cabinets opening on their own because they're not uh, secured tightly enough. Mm-hmm. But we have gone into our kitchen, and I might add, and I, <clears throat> after buying a Ouija board, um, and we would hear them pop open. And I remember one night, Mark went out to look at the cabinets and he's like, can you come out here and take a look at this? So I did. And I was like, Oh yeah. And he closed all of them and I watched him close each one. And then he comes back. And while he's in the middle of a sentence that goes something like, if that opens one more fucking time, I know there's something happening. And before he could finish it, you hear that. I'm not. There's like a click. It's like our cabinets have like a magnet snap thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it makes a very distinct noise when you close it. Like you can't quietly close these shitty cabinets. No. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, and aside from that, I mean, I just have had more of like just energy, like feeling of a presence. Um, Here? Well, yeah, I remember, yes, and I told you this story, but I remember one night I had woken up, okay? Uh Uh-huh. And it was, it was like, it was like watching a show where someone says to you, like, oh, there was this feeling, Mm -hmm. and I just knew someone was there, someone was watching me, and I had never experienced this feeling, and trust me, I am well-versed in anxiety (laughs) and panic. It Uh is something that a lot of us here relate to. Of course. Um, but this was different. I could not fall back asleep. I felt this kind of presence lingering like by the door. And so I went up because from our bed, you can see our hallway. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went up to close it because I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll feel better because, you know, it's not like open space that I can see into a little bit. And the feeling still 
just made me so entirely uncomfortable, but I've never seen any apparitions. Oh. And I'll stop talking now. That's so odd. No, I mean, our apartment's a one bedroom and, you know, our kitchen is horrendous. It's not even updated. It's like the size of a closet. And our bathroom, it's like beige and it looks like, I don't know, a bad 90s renovation. So I don't know what ghosts would want to haunt this oh. place. I don't know. I don't know I don't either. Know. No. I mean, yeah. we, we do have a sick poster collection. You do. do. You guys That's have why. a very, very just sick decor in your, in your you. apartment. We try. Yeah, we really you try. guys do. And your apartment's you. spotless as hell as well. So. Oh, I make them go as clean. That's right. Um, but Jen, do you have any stories? And then we'll circle back to Mark because I feel like Jen might have something. Yeah, I want to hear. Yeah, sure. So, um, growing up in um, my home that you know my mom actually just sold a year ago to date, we used to um, have some sort of activity and you would look out our front door and you would see like somebody moving. Oh. Like you would see some sort of activity and we would go to the door and nobody would be there. Wait, you, like when you're going to the door from the outside? No, nope, the you inside. See... So from the inside of the house, mm -hmm. just seeing some sort of movement right outside the door. And I would <sighs> go to the door and I would not see anybody there my mother has had the same exact encounters my father as well so there oh. definitely there was definitely some sort of spirit that lingered Ooh. around and it was never anything that was like disturbing or worrisome or scary it just was always you know it was just having some extra company around i guess do you think someone died in that house they very well could have. Um, I'm not 100% sure the, like, the, like, history of the home. Mm -hmm. I do know that um, there was a single mother that was living there before we bought the house. And she had mm. children who grew up. I'm not sure what the, the husband situation was if he passed or not, but it always looked like a little child in the window. Oh, yeah. So it was really strange, but like I said, it was never anything that we ever questioned. It just was there. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and just like a quick side note for our listeners, I how Mark just asked um, Jen if he if she knew if anyone died in her house, maybe if you go to diedinhouse.com and use the promo code bizarre buffet, you can find out if somebody died in your house. Yeah. Yes. But um, that's a really fascinating story. Yeah, it's uh, definitely it definitely is a fascinating, interesting story. Uh, and I just always remember it being like that from when I was a kid till I was an adult. Was it always the same door? It was always the front door. Oh, weird. Yeah. So odd. So odd. But um, Mark, do you have anything? Mm. Um, you He's know, I haunted by me. Uh, I have. It's weird. So I don't have anything that's sensational where, like, you know, uh, a bed flipped over in the air or something. I've had <laughs> a lot of small things here and there happen, but. I did go to Drew University, um, which is a college in New Jersey, and it's the second most haunted college in the country. Ooh. And Shout I was... Shout out haunted college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, I was an RA for a few years, and the years that I was an RA, I happened to be put in the two dorms that were haunted. Okay. And... Like one night I heard furniture moving in the dorm above mine and there, there was another RA that lived above me. So I knew her and I was like, damn girl, were you like moving your furniture and shit? And she was like, I was gone all weekend. And I was like, well, I heard stuff moving around. And then this is really weird and I can't explain this, but you know, um, my freshman year, we had like to share a bathroom and showers, like, like a locker room. It was really gross. And I was taking a shower and from the pipes, I heard Gregorian chant music. 
Oh. Okay. But, Interesting. But there were like no, but there weren't like any cults. musician ghosts. Yeah, like I don't know, but there was a club called that medieval thing, and they dressed up in like medieval attire and like, like chamber you singers. Know, I think so. So I think maybe there could have been like a medieval thing choir rehearsal, oh. and maybe I picked it up in the pipes. Maybe. But um, you know, just like small things here and there with that school. Um, I think someone hung themselves in one of the dorms Ooh. in the attic of uh, Asbury Hall. And I was the RA of the entire building. And the attic was always off limits. And I had a master key. And I was like, Ooh, I want to be the RA of this building so I could like get the master key and open the attic. And it was padlocked and they wouldn't uh, let me in. Oh, it's like that movie, The Skeleton it Key. They wouldn't let me in. So then I lied. I was just like, oh, you know, some of the theme houses have like things up there that they need, you know, for like, you know, group club activities. So can I get access to the attic to get their supplies? And they, I guess they knew I was full of shit and they would not let me in the attic, but apparently uh, that's where someone hung themselves. Hmm. Well, I guess it's not the type of thing you can go to the admissions office and ask, is it? No. no but we do have a special guest today, Vinny Carball. We yeah, tell us about Let's him. Hear about Vinny. Vinny is a paranormal investigator. Yes. Yeah. So he, when he was in college, he experienced some um, weird paranormal occurrence in his college dorm, and ever since then, he has been, um, you know, exploring, you know, paranormal activity. So he's based in New York City. Um, and he is a resident paranormal investigator and lecturer at the Morris Jamel Mansion Museum. How cool. Yeah, in Manhattan. And it's the oldest building in New York. And for anybody who's listening, because tonight um, on Disney Plus, they are streaming Hamilton live production. And um, oh. yes, actually, Morris Jamel Mansion is where Lin Manuel Miranda created Hamilton. So there's a lot of history. Yeah, there's a lot of cool, fun history there. Um, a lot of spirits, a lot of ghosts. And he actually leads a tour there once a month. Wow. Yeah. I want to go on the tour. I think that once this is all over, like, and things start opening up, we absolutely have to go. I'm in. So I wonder what yeah. I wonder what ghosts are probably thinking right now if they see everyone quarantining wearing masks. I would just love to know, like a ghostly perspective right maybe maybe they're taking bets and they're like oh i hope that one dies they would be a cool friend i mean we should definitely <laughs> i think we definitely need to ask Vinny that when he comes on um i think he yeah. definitely might have a better answer for us so um i'm super excited yeah so you know he is just known for approaching all of this paranormal sense with such respect and dignity and humor um, very personable, and um, I'm really excited to hear what he has to say. So let's welcome Vinny. Hi, Vinny. Hey, Vinny. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I mean, how cool is that, right? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On with the show. Let's talk about ghosts. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. so excited to hear all about it. So welcome so, to Bizarre how... Buffet. Yeah, welcome to Bizarre <laughs> Thank Buffet. You. Thank you for coming on and talking to us. So I'm curious to hear about the experience that you had in your dorm in college which led you to become a paranormal investigator okay thank you for specifying because i had a lot of experience in my dorm in college but because yeah the one that, that made you the, ghost, I mean, yeah. the moment that uh you decided to go forward and pursue your, this your uh, defining got, moment yeah gotcha <laughs> so um in college i had a bunch of different little you know jobs on campus just to try to survive and one of them i would i uh 
did what was called night desk. So I just sat at the desk in the lobby of the building that I lived in and I would check people's IDs um, that, that, you know, that indicated that they lived in the building. Mm -hmm. And I would have to be there from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. And this one year is my senior year. And I remember, I think it was, it was a very slow night. It was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. It wasn't a party night. And I remember it was after midnight and no one had come in for a while. And so the way the, the lobby was set up was there was a door that you would scan your card and you'd come in. Then there was a second door that you would scan your card and you'd come in through that door. And then there was a very short hallway uh, with like wall with two walls on either side. And then about, I want to say 10 to 15 feet from the door was my desk where I was stationed. And then to the right of me was a big, like, common room area. And then, be, like, just beyond that was two elevators. And then down the hallway from there was the stairwell. And then my back was up against the, off, the office where the RAs and the RD would work during the day. And then to the left of me was a women's room and a men's room. And so on this night, uh, I was doing my thing. I needed to get something from the office. So I stood up. I walked around the corner to the uh, office. I put my hand on the, the doorknob. It was locked. I, I was like, oh, I got to get the keys. So I came back around to my desk to get the keys. And that took maybe all of about four seconds because it was all it's all very close to each other. Mm -hmm. And when I came back to the desk, all of a sudden I heard the sound of water running. I was like, what the heck is that? And I was like, is someone in the bathroom? And now I I did not I did not hear anyone come in. I didn't see anyone. They would have had to walk right through me. I had been sitting there since at least ten o'clock. It was now after twelve. So all of a sudden I hear water running in the two seconds that I'm away from the desk. And it was really bizarre. So I go up to the bathrooms and I hear it coming from the men's room. I open the door and the lights were turned off. And by the way, no one ever used these bathrooms like ever and so i turn on the light and i see that the faucet is turned on and it was two knobs that you have to, to, to turn on to turn the water on i was like what and i turned them off and I, and I sat there in disbelief it was one of the most surreal moments of my life it was so bizarre that i i had to really stop and think that that i met because like I was working long hours mm -hmm. and like, I, you know, I guess I was stressed out. I was like, no, I know. I just saw that my hand is wet. I know what happened. So I called my roommates. They came down. I told them what just happened. I explained everything to them and they laughed at me. And then I was like, guys, I'm telling you, this is what happened. I'm like, well, I don't know. Then they went back upstairs. Then the elevators kept coming up and down and opening what? and closing. And oh no, my no God. Coming off. Wow. I was like, I was like, okay, you know what? That could just be someone screwing with the with the with the elevator, whatever. The same thing happens to an, another night desk attendant, a girl, a couple of weeks later, who is a mutual friend of one of my roommates. Then we found out from the RD of the building, uh, who is this older woman who's done this job for years since like the seventies. That in the 90s, the one year that she was working in another building, a male RA had hanged himself in the stairwell right behind oh. where I was sitting. Wow. So that was the moment when it all clicked for me. And I said, there's no way that th there's no connection there. And I, think about it. Think of the, the bathroom that it was coming from. It was the men's room, mm -hmm. right? And it was a male RA. And this is one of the things in which someone would say, okay, let's say there is such a thing as ghosts. Because I will, let me preface, I am a skeptical believer, right? Mm -hmm. But that being said, you know, people say, oh, you know, let's say ghosts are real. Why are they going to come from the, from the dead to turn on a light or turn on a faucet? Like, would they do something more extreme? I don't know. I don't have that answer. I've never been dead. I've never been a ghost that I know. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know what to tell you, but what the hell could that have been? Right. And I, my, you know, my dad is a contractor. Like I worked at a hardware store. I know some basic, basic plumbing. Like that doesn't make sense. Right. So that, and 
you know, it doesn't hurt that I also was always very interested in ghost stories and, and, and things like that. So it just that's kind of how it started from there. You said that another person in your building that sat at the desk went through the same experience that you did. Were they both at the same time? Was it like a similar time frame that this happened? Like time of night? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, well, it, yeah, it would have been because, like I said, we would do that job from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., so it would have been in that, in that window right there. Yeah, because you had and the I same think, shift. And think about it. I mean, let's say it was had nothing to do with the paranormal. The, the chances of that thing of that happening are kind of slim. They're like it would have, you know. So it sounded kind of deliberate. And I mean, just the combination of that, and then the elevators and everything—it's just like a very odd thing. And like you said, you know, you were like, I sat there. People would walk past me. They had to. It's crazy. I think what's interesting yeah, was, too. I think I would be curious to know, like, was that also like, was that the time frame in which this male um, student hung himself? Oh, that I, I was. Thinking. I would be curious to know that. But. Of course, yeah. I mean, there's so many unknown facts, and then also too, don't forget my my back was literally up against the exterior wall of the office in which the RAs worked in. So he was down there all of the time. Wow. He would have been down there all of the time, you know. So it was one of those deals where it's like a corner office and they had this like sliding glass doors where it had like the lock on it. You could take the lock off and then slide the door to the side to open it up. So, um, yeah. And, and there was no one down there in the lobby. I, I was able to see everything from where I was sitting. Uh, you know, I knew who was, in the, who was in the building with me or at least on that floor. So, yeah, that was the moment in which you went from a passing interest to now. It was like, okay, I need to find resolution. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's definitely a moment that would make you want to. I can see why. So with that, I know a lot of times with hauntings, there's two different types. There's like the residual haunting and intelligent haunting. Which yeah, is very good. So I feel, thank you. Well, I did my research, uh, but I wanted, I want to know, do you think maybe that was a residual haunting for sure yeah. at the school? Um. You know, it's hard to say. I would say that, that, you know, I said earlier that I think it was rather deliberate, so I would say that that's intelligent. Oh. Um, there are other buildings on campus, as with many college campuses, have their college story, uh, have their uh, ghost stories. Mm. Um, you see a mix of both, you know, uh, but I think in that isolated incident, I would have called that a, uh, an intelligent haunting. Is one more common than the other? Or are they both like 50-50? It's about the same. Now, for, for people listening who may not necessarily know, Vinny, could you like define what an intelligent haunting is as opposed to a residual? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a residual haunting is, if I was to, I'll give you examples. If I was to say, every once in a while around 9 p.m., I see this woman come down the stairs. That's the residual haunting. And the intelligent haunting is if I was to say, 9 p.m., I see this woman come down the stairs and she stops and she looks at me and then motions to me. That's highly intelligent. Uh -huh. So it's basically, you know, residual is like a loop on a DVD playing over and over again. The intelligent haunting is one that that entity actually uh, directly engages you, answers a question, responds using some kind of with some kind of instrument that we're using that night or um, give some kind of response on a digital voice recorder. Okay. So that's, that's the difference. Very cool. So I would love for you, Vinny, to talk about your experience with the Mars Jamal mansion and, you know, the work that you did there, because I personally have been there and I definitely have felt some sort of, spirits when I was there. Yeah. So um, I guess we should start at the beginning, how I came to be there. Yeah. Uh, so I first set foot in the mansion, I want to say in the fall of 2014. So if anyone doesn't know, Worship of Mansion, the very brief of it is oldest surviving house in the borough of Manhattan. Um, George Washington stayed there for five weeks during the American Revolution. 
and it was built up by Roger Morris, British Colonel, and then ultimately it was owned by Elijah Jamel and Stephen Jamel. But Elijah Jamel was the longest resident, and then um, yeah, and it's still standing to this day. It's a, a historic house. So, um, so we did our initial investigation. It's a very, very interesting night. Had a lot of cool experiences. There was one guy in the group who was a total non-believer, total skeptic, totally, you know, was rolling his eyes the, the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took one thing to happen for him to come back downstairs to the basement and be like, I believe that's oh, it. I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> and the rest of the night, he was asking questions. He's like, oh, my God, this, like, changed my life. And that's usually the deal. Um, so, what did he say that, that yeah, changed his mind? Yeah, do you remember so, what it was? Yeah, I do. So we were all in the basement, and uh, we – so, okay, so the first time that we had gone there to do our investigation, we were in the basement, and we heard the sound of a bell ring, like a very distant, faint sound of a bell ring. So the next time we came back, we wanted to employ something called the Singapore effect. And the Singapore effect is when you take some kind of sound or action or activity that the spirit might recognize. And you, you, you do that on the investigation. So for me personally, I like to use music. So whatever time frame the person that we're investigating lived in, I'll try to use music from that time. On this night, what we did was, uh, being that we had this previous experience with the sound of the bell ringing, uh, my friend had the sound of a, of a dinner bell on his phone. He downloads the sound. So we were all in the basement, and then my friend went upstairs and he goes, who wants to come with me? And this skeptic went upstairs with them. And by the way, skeptic is not a negative thing as, as, as far as I'm concerned in this industry. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to be a skeptic. Mm-hmm. You know, you should right. not go into anything. You know, yes, absolutely. There's definitely ghosts here. That's the wrong way to go about it. Yeah, like anyway, blind belief. You know, it's good to have exactly, questions and all. Exactly. Exactly. Furthermore, it's not our job on these public investigations or lectures to convince you whether or not ghosts are real. That's not our job. Our job is to educate you what, a, what an actual ghost is. So anyway, on this night, he said, okay, who wants to go upstairs and try this out with me? This kid went up with him. They go upstairs. I stayed in the basement with the rest of the group. He went upstairs with him. He plays the sound of the dinner bell, and he goes, I want my dinner, I want my dinner. All of a sudden, they hear scraping coming down the stairs to the first floor. And then they hear a jiggle on the little door. There's like a a door that's on the, um, on the stairs leading up to the second floor. There's like a, it's like a dummy door. It it leads to nothing right now, but we believe that when it was an active home, that was the door that servants would have used to get to an additional staircase or to get to the basement. We're still trying to piece that together. Um, Nonetheless, it would have, would have been utilized by servants. Mm-hmm. And then the motion sensor light in the dining room went off. So that's all that kid needed to see to say, you know what? There is something to this. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good example. I mean, for... <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's how I started there. I went to talking to the, uh, we got to talk. I was commissioned to write and direct a play for the museum that followed in October. Uh, the play was called Awakening in Ink, and it was, in fact, about the ghost of the house uh, based upon letters and newspaper articles that are in the archives of the mansion. So I pieced them together to create the script. And then while working on that show, I was offered a full-time job as the events director. Yeah, I definitely yeah. want to do this like once everything starts opening up again. I know. I can't yeah. wait to visit. <laughs> Who do you think haunts the mansion specifically? Um, I'm sure you could probably put it together in better words and more concisely than I can. So can you tell us maybe like the history of the haunting of the mansion? So a lot of people assume it's the George Washington or Elijah Jamal. And that's because those are the most popular names, as well as Aaron Burr. But the reality is that the the mansion was built in 1765. And um, thousands of people have come through that home. It was a tavern. It was a military occupancy. It was vacant for 20 years. And that all happened before the Jamels even moved in in 1810. So who knows who's hanging around there? 
that being said, Eliza Jamil was the longest resident of the house. The house does have a very feminine feel to it. And so we celebrate that. We're proud of that. And certainly for it to be Eliza with some of the things that she does around certain events. Mm. By that, I mean, when whenever we have large events like weddings or galas, something wacky happens, as well as whenever we have a play, we have some we have some kind of odd experience. And that would make sense because Eliza loved hosting parties and she also was an actor. So um, we feel that's her way of trying to, you know, get into the show. And that would make a lot of sense. But yeah. She's taking that spotlight. Yeah, that's right. She's like, yeah, my <laughs> why was I not invited? <laughs> so that's who we think. Um, and, and, and I will say that depending on what we do have, the, like the hot spots, like the front parlor, on the first floor, the basement, and Aaron Burr's bedroom are the most active in the house. I have um, a kind of silly question for you. Has anyone That's ever like? Silly <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, we're talking about speaking to spirits, so that should sail along. Uh, <laughs> right. We everyone has to have at least a little sense of humor when we talk about you know different topics. But um, do you, has anyone ever gone like running from the house, or like has anybody ever had like? Yeah. A, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Is it often? I could tell you, at least in the, in recent history, I wasn't there for this, but it was, I think it was just prior to me becoming a full-time employee. They were having a field trip. Now, so one of the ways that the mansion sustains itself is to have uh, school trips. And there's about 9,000 kids that come through a year. And, you know, with the little kids, they don't, we don't talk about the ghost stuff. Or anything like that, we don't we don't need to put that in their head. When it comes to like the high school age kids, again, we don't talk about the ghost stuff. But at that time, now they're they've become more self aware, and they look at an old house, and they automatically assume it's haunted. Mm-hmm. And they've also heard the stories from their parents, and they've seen the shows that we've been on. So they're already they come in, you know, at a different level. They come in jacked up. So um, this was I want to say like five or six years ago. There was a field trip with high school kids. They were in the basement, and our educator was talking to them. So she was, fa- she was her back was to the fireplace, and she was facing them, and they were all looking at her. And um, she's a very straightforward, very down to earth educator. And all of a sudden, to one of I think it was to the right of her, a mortar and pestle, you know, the thing that you would grind up medicines and spices, mm-hmm. the actual. Um, I don't know what which one it is. The one that actually does the grind. The, the, the one you hold in your hand starts to move inside of the bowl. Oh, that's weird. Those oh, things are heavy. Yeah. 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 And, and it, like it wouldn't move as on. Soon as, that happens, as soon as that happens, two girls scream, say, <laughs> we're, we're the ass out of here, and bolt out of the building and refuse to come back in. Oh, my God. And uh, the educator, as soon as that happens, she goes, so that happened. We're going to acknowledge it happened, and we're going to move on. Okay. <laughs> She's like, all right, let's, let's continue. I'm going to have to use that at work. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Well, I'm just curious as to, like, why possibly Aaron Burr's room would be a hot spot for paranormal events. So that particular room was would have been the, the man of the house. So it would have been Roger Morris, then Stephen Jamel, and then Aaron Burr lived in there. Aaron Burr was only in the house, I want to say, about eight months before he was a bad boy and was kicked out. That room also would have been used by officers during the war. It also would have been utilized when it was a tavern. So who knows who's hanging around in there. Right. That room is, is where we got, to date, the most profound EVP, electronic voice phenomena, that I've ever been a part of on an investigation. It's pretty wild. At the three second mark of this recording, you hear a very loud, blatant like screech, and we don't know what it is. I, I heard that, that recording, because yeah. um, it was featured, I think, on another podcast. And it's so spooky because it's like a loud shriek. And yeah. it sounds like it almost sounds like the mom from Carrie and she's like, oh, they're all going to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's what actually recorded. 
Mm-hmm. So I have a theory. Mm-hmm. I have a theory. So we got that that recording. Um, oh, gee, I think that's going back three years now. Mm-hmm. And so about a year later, we were doing a private, another private investigation with a psychic medium from California. Oh, wow. And yeah, and she said whenever she comes to town, she likes to do investigations at the mansion. And so it was myself another employee and her. And she said, guys, something's drawing me to the back corner of the house, specifically the women's room. So as silly as it sounds, we piled into the women's room with chairs and we sat, we did a couple of EVP sessions. But when it was at home, that was the cupboard where they would get their supplies. And so we're in there and all of a sudden, one of the recordings you hear the very faint sound of like a screech. And when I heard it, I was like, that sounds like a monkey, like a small monkey. Mm-hmm. And it sounds ridiculous, but if you stop and think about it, think about who is living in these homes. Right. Well, eccentric people, it was not uncommon for them to have animal, exotic animals like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, people still do. That's not that far off base. Then I remembered that screech up in Aaron Burr's room. Then it kind of clicked for me. That always, to me, sounded like a bird. Mm. I was like, you know what? That might be it. We might be hearing their pets. Oh, wow. That is really, that's kind of, uh, gives you chills. In yeah. Because yeah, you know? yeah. that recording, it is very off-putting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean... Now, there's, there's one more I just want to add. There's one, when I, I would tell this story, and I would show people this recording on, on public investigations when we were in Aaron Burr's room, and they always freaked people out. And then a docent of the mansion came up to me and he gave me a piece of intel that I found very interesting. There's a very, very old book that was written about Elijah Jamel. And I got to say, it's, it's like widely known that a lot of the facts in the book have been disputed. Okay. Uh, but that being said, one of the stories in the book was that Elijah Jamel, when she was a younger woman and she was working as an actor, and supposedly she worked as a prostitute. I don't believe that's the case. I believe it was that at that time, actors and prostitutes and people of that, you know, grouping of society were all kind of lumped together. Mm-hmm. I think that's where that rumor came from, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, one of the stories was that she had a, she would keep a parrot outside of her house to, so guys would know, where to go so i was like well i don't know how true that is it's interesting but i think that if that is a bird that we're hearing that was from later in life it may not have even been her so it's like a victorian booty call but (laughs) (laughs) exactly that's crazy i have this one question that i would love to ask you because um you seem to know so much about the topic um, I notice with a lot of these ghost stories, it normally takes place in big houses or old mansions, right? Where like maybe someone was really attached to it or something tragic happened. Now, I grew up in a very crime-ridden neighborhood where people were literally like shot and killed on the streets. Um, I mean, the crime rate and the murder rate was so high and you never hear about hauntings like in these low income neighborhoods mm-hmm. where more tragedies happen. So I'm just, I'm wondering like, what's your take on that? Do you think like, you know, towns, I grew up in Irvington, New Jersey. Like, do you think that towns like that are haunted or not haunted or like, why is it always like these big mansions? So that's a great question because I get that. I, I actually have gotten asked that. Like, why is it always a ghost from like the 1700s? Or like, why is it not the guy who died last week? Yeah. The reality, the, the reality is it's, it's all about how it's presented to you. Meaning producers from a ghost hunting show are more likely to go to the beautiful old Gothic Victorian looking mansion. Mm-hmm rather than going into the ghetto and saying, okay, where should we set up the boom mic? You know what I mean? Right. So, that is true. Point. That is a really good point. <laughs> I would never have thought exactly. of that, but that, because that applies to so many things, really. I mean, anything uh, on yes. television. That's the reality. Yes, like, absolutely. So, um, and I'll give you an example. So 
so I live in an apartment, in a studio apartment in Harlem, and I have had several experiences in my unit. Okay, my building was built in, I believe, 1923, let's say. And I've had a couple of wacky experiences in my in my unit alone. I'll give you a good one. There was a gentleman who lived in this building. He lived one floor below me, and he was an absolute nuisance. Okay, he was the first time I ever encountered him. I was coming home, and I saw him slapping. He had a puppy. Yeah, he was slapping this puppy around Aww. by the front door. And I, and I said, in that, you know, in much more colorful language, I told him, I informed him that he should stop that. And he's like, yeah, whatever, whatever. I was like, yeah, no, not whatever. And so anyway, he didn't realize that I lived in the building. Mm. So we come in, we have an exchange of words in the hallway, and that's what began our relationship. Every other time I would see him, he would be drunk. He got locked out of the building in the middle of the night in his underwear, and he was pressing all the buttons to get let in. Oh, and other times, myself and an older couple coming into the building got stuck behind him on the stairs because he was drunk and his pants were falling down. The guy was just a nightmare, right? So anyway, the landlord wanted me to go to, like, landlord court or whatever, or tenant court to try to testify against him to try to get ultimately get him evicted. I said, ah, I'm not really about that. You know, I'm not trying to get involved. I got to live here, mm-hmm. whatever. And they kept getting dragged out and dragged out. Anyway, ultimately one day I had a friend visiting and, you know, we go to sleep in the middle of the night. I feel something tickle my foot. So what the hell? And I woke up and I jumped and I thought it was my friend, but he was knocked out. I was like, what the hell is that? I was like, I don't know. It was weird. So I go back to sleep. The next morning we wake up. He's got to get the train back to Long Island. And the next floor below us, there's, I see medics, a cop, and a, a woman crying. I'm like, oh, oh, boy. And I know that scene because I work the EMS. I'm like, someone's dead. Mm-hmm. And later on in the day, I see the cop. I'm like, yo, you know, what happened? He goes, ah, you know, one of the tenants died. So I'm like, okay. Um. I found out a couple of weeks later, they're like, yeah, we don't got to go to tenant court anymore. I found out who died. It was the guy who I had issues with. So I'm Ooh. thinking on his way out, he, he screwed with me one last time and he tickled my foot <laughs> to wake me up. Oh. He got he got the last laugh on <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> or maybe yeah. it was like the puppy saying thank you. Oh, yeah. Saying, <laughs> oh, maybe. Like, like, thank God, this dude. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So the answer to your question is, if there is such a thing as ghosts, they're everywhere. It's not selective. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not just reserved for the beautiful home. Yeah, it's just uh, television needs visuals. Right. And, uh, I, I grew up in the like. I grew up in the ghetto in a ghetto neighborhood, mm-hmm. and people were getting killed all the time. And I was like, "Damn, I don't see any ghosts." I was kind of disappointed. No. But, well, but... you know, there's always time. There is. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you never know. I just want to add one one thing. So when I when I give these lectures or anytime I'm able to have these conversations, one thing I want to impart to people is that there is a very very big difference between what you see on television and in Hollywood and what an actual paranormal investigation is. And I encourage anyone who has an interest in this topic, don't don't be in the closet about it. Please go out there and learn and read and try to get into uh, a couple of investigations and really try to vet who leads them because I'm going to let you know right now, there are some absolute, you know, wax in the, in the industry as with all industries. But, um, you know, just treat, please try to be safe, do your homework and just try to have fun with it. When I lead these investigations, I go around, I say in the beginning, right at the very beginning, I say, listen, I could go around the room right now and I can tell who bought the ticket and who got dragged here. Right. <laughs> I said, so, to those of you who got dragged here, thank you for coming out. You know, stop the tough guy act and just have fun. <laughs> and I, and I like you'll that. have yeah. something to talk about tomorrow at brunch. And it, it kind of takes the tension out of the room. Yeah. And usually those are the ones who, like, when something does happen, it's like, oh, my God. And then they start asking all the questions. Yeah. But I want to I wanted to do something really quick if we have time. Yeah. I want to see if this works, okay? So the big thing for me with this is 
I'm a firm believer that if you are willing to put yourself out there and say, I believe in this topic, this is something I take a stance on, and this could go for anything, politics, religion, anything, right? For me, let's you know, let's keep it to, to the paranormal. If you're willing to say, I'm an av- advocate for this and I believe in it, you should be willing to at least hear out the other side. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I do. I hear out the other side. I explore both sides, yeah. the believers and non-believers. So I do that by way of psychology the psychology behind this. How did we get to this point? Why do we believe in this stuff? I'll give you an example, okay? If I was to ask you, all of you, what are thought to be the scariest parts of a house? What would you say? Mark, what would you say? I would say an attic. Okay. Okay. I would say the basement. Okay. Yeah, I would go with basement as well. Okay. Now, that is the answer 100 of the time when I ask that question. Now, can I ask you why? Yeah. Um, well, for me personally, the basement, it just kind of has, I don't know, they're kind of most of the time dark. You know, I associate ones that aren't finished or redone. It's something about going, like descending into this dark space and like corners that aren't well lit. And like um, the sounds that come from the basement too, you know, yep. different types of, um, you know, like, I know, like a lot of times you find like the boiler in the basement and, mm-hmm. you know, like your washing machine and like these noises, dead bodies. Yeah. yeah, dead bodies, but no, <laughs> like these noises that come from the basement, it just makes it very eerie. Mm-hmm. So you all are saying exactly what I would say in and, and, and my response. So basically, the, the, the quick summary is, as children, we're not usually hanging out in the attic or in the basement, unless they're finished spaces and you, you know, you're supposed to. So as children, we automatically have this, this, this distant association with these spaces in the home. And unfortunately for humans, what we don't know, we tend to be scared of, right? And so there it is. And, you know, you, like you said, Jen, you got loud noises and bangs and things coming from your parents will disappear for a couple of minutes and they come back up mm-hmm. or, you know, the kind of thing. Also, take it back to when we were living in caves and living in the jungle, right? I can't see into that dark cave. I don't know what's going to, waiting to jump out and eat me. Also, we have a natural fear of things above and below us. Above us because there'd be predatory animals waiting in the treetops to jump down and attack us. Below us, if we're going through the water, or going through the, 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 the brush, there could be a snake, there could be a gator, there could be something that's waiting to attack us. So we already have this hesitation of things above and below. We like things on a level playing field. Mm-hmm. And then to take it even a step further into more modern terms, or more modern conditions, in these locations, what do we find? Pipes, wires, cables, Wi-Fi systems, all the electrical. And those things give off EMF, electro- electronic magnetic oh. field and those things affect us in so much as nausea visual disturbance paranoia you feel like someone's watching you and that all sounds like what what people uh, associate with haunting right so i'm not i'm not not saying that, that we had this entire conversation to discredit it about you know there's now i'm saying that there is no such thing, such thing as ghosts but there these right here as soon as you take a, a quick look behind the curtain, you're like, okay, that makes sense as to what I might be experiencing. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. That's and a- I mean, and like you said earlier, you know, you like people who are skeptics, you know, you want people to question and all of that. So it just kind of gives you that perspective of, you know, like, listen, okay, there are things that can contribute to what would be associated with uh, a haunting or well, that feeling. It reminds me of a story. Um, I don't know if it was a TED talk that we saw mm-hmm. on YouTube or YouTube video, but this woman was a you know paranormal investigator of sorts. Yeah. And what happened was is that she was living in a house, and you know she was getting sick. She was having hallucinations, and you know they kept looking at the pipes. There was nothing wrong, so they chalked it up to I think your house is haunted. Well. What happened was is that she had a carbon monoxide leak in yeah, the house. Yeah, that's very common. And it wasn't caught. And what ended up happening was is that it was all from that. So she's an advocate for paranormal investigating and making sure your house does not have carbon monoxide. 
Yeah, that's that's often one of the first things I will ask. Like, when well, so you had this checked? Do you mm-hmm. have like a detector mm-hmm. stuff like that? So, yeah. And I think that's fascinating, particularly about what you do, because you are like, hey, no, like let's look at all of it instead of you know. Oh, you absolutely have a haunting. There's no question about it. You know, yeah, it gives yeah. people more confidence and it gives you a lot of credibility in what you do. So that's amazing. That's my approach. Everyone has their own style. Can I ask you a quick question? I mean, what do you think okay. of um, Ed and Lorraine Warren? Um, I don't, I've never met them personally. I know their nephew. Um, the jury is out as to how legitimate they were. Um, depending who you ask, they'll tell you that they were just in it to, you know, pump out books and, you know, try to get media coverage and other people say, you know, they were the real deal. I don't, I don't know. Uh, and I am not saying anything that hasn't been said very publicly about them. Yeah. I'm not taking, I'm not taking a stance one way or the other. Um, Absolutely. so I, you know, as I said, I never met them, never got the chance to work with them. So I honestly don't know, but, uh, they, I will say that they did a lot to get the the topic to the public forefront at, at a time in which you know there was not reality television or this was something that was not talked about so freely. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of they did a lot of good work in in, in getting the the word out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, respect. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, where can our listeners find yeah. you? You can follow me on Instagram. I post uh, images from past investigations and upcoming investigations on there. Yeah, car- uh, Carbone Paranormal. Um, very simple. And then ultimately, uh, it's all going to go up to YouTube, and which you're going to see interviews and other you know footage from investigations there as well. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so thank much you. for joining yes. us. Yeah. Thank you so much. Day. We can't wait. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was great. Thank you so much for listening to episode eight of Bizarre Buffet. Make sure to like our page on Instagram at Bizarre Buffet or to like us on Facebook at Bizarre Buffet Podcast. And wherever you enjoy listening to us, please make sure to subscribe. It helps a lot and we'll see you soon.